0: Isn't that incredible to get to celebrate with all of those life change stories? So many people. Isn't that incredible? I'd love to just put our hands together. Praise God for that is something only he could do. Well, we are in week three of Reassembly Required, a beginner's guide for repairing broken relationships. And the reason I call it a beginner's guide is because there's so much more that can be said about this topic. We're just trying to help you get started. This is just a a place to begin to get, get rolling. And so we're not trying to be a definitive, you know, a one stop for all things reconciliation or being able to mend broken relationships. But... We do want to give you a place to begin. And we talked about the fact that whether whatever we're talking about, we generally speaking as people, we're better at starting things than fixing them. Especially when it comes to relationships, we're much better at starting a relationship than fixing a broken one many times. And when a relationship does break and it's stressed and we're going through difficulty in our marriage or friendship or with our parents or with our kids or with a coworker, with our boss, whatever, we tend to reach for the same thing. This is really interesting. This is sort of a commonality that we have with human beings, not just in our country, but all over the world. People tend to reach for tools that don't really fix anything. I called it the C4 approach to relationships. These four C words, and here they are, convince, convict, coerce, and control. When you're having a conflict, isn't it true? that you'll? Do, for me, sometimes it's like, I just need to convince you of what I know is true. I need to convince you, and if you could just see things my way, and that way is what everybody saw, then this thing would be fixed, man, or convict. Man, how dare you do this for me after all I've done for you? We try to convict or coerce or control. If I can just get you to do what I want you to do, that will fix the relationship. But the problem is, these C4s, and some of you are going, C4 is an explosive. You're right, that doesn't really fix anything. That just blows things up. And that's what happens many times to relationships. When we reach for one of these, and it doesn't fix anything, if anything, sometimes it stirs the pot, makes it a lot worse, it's more complicated to fix now, next time around, and here's why. The thing that these C4s have in common, all four of them, is that they it's what they make the other person feel, and the thing they make the other person feel is rejection, not love. When somebody feels, like, think about it for a minute, when you're in a conversation with somebody and you can tell they're trying to convince me, they got an agenda here, they're trying to coerce me, they're trying to convict me, they're trying to control me, it doesn't make you want to move towards them, does it? It makes you want to, like, I'm out of here. Adios. I, I don't want to be in this conversation anymore. And that's what happens. It doesn't fix. It shuts people down. It shuts them off. It pushes them away. And it makes you left feeling like, why am I even trying? It makes you want to shut down and 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 uh, to... to close off the relationship it makes people really frustrated and they think well i gave it my best shot i did everything i knew to do and they're just it, i can't fix it right and we're just frustrated and what happens is that default is that me, many people will move into excuses well let me tell you my excuse will for why i can't reassemble this relationship like all this stuff you've been teaching over the last several weeks great for everybody else like I was so glad. I hope it helps somebody because this is not for me. I can't fix it, my relationship. And let me give you a couple of reasons why. Let me give you maybe the three most common excuses for why reassembly is just not possible. Here's the first one: I don't care. I've gotten to the place where have you ever done that? You got you like you tried and just like I'm, I just don't care anymore. Now I want you to pay close attention when you start thinking about a relationship or about a person. I just don't care anymore. Right? Think about, I want you to really pay close attention when you say that, when you think that because I don't really care or I don't care many times means that deep down you really do care you really do care you're just trying to convince yourself otherwise many times we don't say I don't really care about things that we don't really care about we just don't think about them at all because we don't really care but when we say I don't really care many times what it says is I'm at a loss for what to do like I really wish there was something I could do, but I don't even know what it what it is. Like I, I, I just I kind of give up, right? But if we convince ourselves we don't care about a person or a relationship that we actually do care about, that will make you unhealthy. I'm telling you, it goes underground when we try to convince ourselves and make myself believe I don't care about him or her anymore. And really deep down, you do care. It's like this toxic energy that goes underground, and it's going to go somewhere, folks. It goes usually. It goes. It channels into another relationship, and it's usually one that you don't want it to go into. It'll start to poison another friendship, another relationship, maybe with your kids, or so. It it tends to have rear its ugly head in places you do not want it to be, and we become our own worst enemy. And history has a way of repeating itself. We will do to others what we have done to them if we're not willing to say, wait a minute, maybe I need to check this, I don't care anymore. Here's the second excuse. I already tried. Like, you ever felt that? Like, I am done, Will. I'm waiting on them. Right? The ball is in their court. Now, the problem with this is, and we looked at this biblically a couple of weeks ago, the theme for the whole series, the goal for the whole series, is not necessarily reconciliation. Now, we're working for that, we're praying for it. But the goal is for the whole series is that uh, no regrets. Getting to a place where you don't regret, like, you, like I did everything possible. No regrets is a posture of humility, it's like I'm open. I am open. Like Relationally, I'm going to open the door. I'm going to put out the welcome mat. I'm going to lower the drawbridge emotionally. I'm going to be available to this person. I'm willing to have a servant's heart. I'm willing to move towards them and care for them just the way God and Christ, God has shown care for me. I'm willing to do this. And it is really important that we're willing to do. The, the decision that I challenged you with last week that we're, we're committing not to get back at, that we're gonna get back to, not get back at that other person. This is that first big decision. If you're gonna have any kind of reassembly in a relationship, you gotta commit to say, I'm not getting back at, I'm getting back to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop with the with the mentality of getting back at. And let's just be really clear. For you to cross your arms and say, I'm done, I'm tired, and I'm waiting on them, that is a form of getting back at, that is not getting back to. And when you do that, when you make that decision, you undo this first decision that is critical. It is actually absolutely cr- crucial to the reassembly process. You have to first say, I'm not gonna get, get back at, I'm going to get back to. I'm gonna start to make steps toward And I'm not going to shut down. Here's number three, the third excuse. It wasn't my fault, Will. And though we, I might hear your story and say, I agree with you. Like, yeah, absolutely. And most of the time, myself included, when we replay the narrative of how the relationship went south, like when it all went off the rails, typically when you replay that, that scenario in your mind, you go, Okay, yeah, and then she said, and then I did, and then he did, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, see, I was in the right, and they were in the wrong. That's how it replays in our mind. that We were right, and they were wrong. That It's their fault. It's their fault that this happened. But as we saw last week, that is entirely beside the point. Because as we saw last week, reassembly begins with us regardless of who initiated the fuss right? And I like, it's kind of cute, isn't it? Right? The assembly re- begins, reassembly always begins with us. We have to take the first step. And, and this is true for a couple of different reasons. First of all, when you replay that, that narrative in your mind, you were in the right. Isn't it true that the healthy and mature person, the, the bigger person, the better person, you might even say, is the one that ought to make the first step, right? And that's you. <laughs> that's your story, So you ought to take the first step. Secondly, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian. You need to remember. It's why God made the first move towards us, that God so loved you and I. He loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that God in Christ moved in our direction not to get back at us, but to get back to us. That was what he longed for what he hungered for relationally with us and then ladies and gentlemen he invites you and I into that same type of relationship with each other John chapter 13 34 35 we looked at this a couple of weeks ago as I have loved you Jesus said right before the cross so you must love one another this is so important all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another you learn how to love the way Jesus did and then today we're gonna to turn our focus to a question that Jesus asks. This is such an important question when it comes to this reassembly process because this question really assures that we will remain engaged in the reassembly process and that we won't use as an excuse the other person's behavior to disengage. Like, nope, see God, look, look, what, look what they're doing. I'm done, I'm, I'm not gonna try anymore. But Jesus is gonna ask a question, and can I be really honest? This question is going to feel a little irritating. It's going to be a little frustrating because it gets all up in our business. Okay, once again, Jesus is not looking for surface level religion or faith. He's looking for deep to the core of your soul, kind of commitment to follow him in all things. And here's what he says. We're going to look at Matthew chapter seven. This is the last of the three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. If you, some of you may remember, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are the Sermon on the Mount. And this is kind of towards the end of that sermon. And Jesus is talking specifically about what happens. When you got the outs with somebody And you need to reassemble Jesus is going to give us a construct He's going to give us some instructions On how to move forward So let's take a look at chapter 7 verse 3 Here's what Jesus asks He says why do you And let's read the highlighted words together Because it's more fun Okay, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust In your brother's eye And pay no attention to the, the plank In your own eye In other words, here's what Jesus is saying. Why do you, it's like you've got blinders on. Why are you so focused on what the other person has done that you can't do anything about? And you seem to be unwilling to acknowledge the part that you played that you can do something about. Why is it, what is it about their sin or about their neglect or their irresponsible behavior that's got you so worked up, got the burr under the saddle, we'd say here in Texas, right? We got, it's just, oh, I can't, I just can't not think about it. Like, it's just, what is it about that got you so worked up that you're not willing to focus on your own stuff? Now, generally speaking, people had two responses, both in the first century that heard this from Jesus, right down to today. Here's the first kind of rebuttal or response that people sometimes have. Now, Jesus it's not just a speck of sawdust, okay? Not just a speck of sawdust. Like, she was rude to me, and he walked out on me. They, they broke my heart, they hurt me, they hurt somebody I love. This is like, they won't take responsibility for their actions. Jesus, come on, right? And it's kind of like, well, that's not just a speck of sawdust, Jesus. It feels a lot bigger than that. And then secondly, Jesus, the second response is, I don't, know. I don't know where you get this, but I don't have a plank in my eye. Jesus, come on. I mean, I'm not perfect, like we need to tell Jesus that, right? I'm not perfect, but I didn't start this fight. They did, right? I can see. I don't care what you say. I can see clearly. I got all that one eye, right? I can still see one eye. I can see clearly. I'm fine, and here's what I can clearly see. I can see a way to fix this, and as soon as they can see clear, like I do, you know, Jesus, I mean, I'll be around. I'm here. I'm willing to accept their apology. I'm willing to accept their, their step of reconciliation. If they want to come to me, know, yeah, I'm here. So, you know, no offense, Jesus, but are we done here? <laughs> to which Jesus would say, no, we're not done yet, All right? I got another question. And I'm going to drill down a little deeper. And here's what Jesus says in verse 4. He comes back with another question. How can you say to your brother or your sister, I'm sure Jesus wouldn't mind me, including, you know, if you've got a problem with a, with a, a sister, right? Let, can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Now, you have to kind of get the picture, because I'm sure there were some people snickering in the audience. This is Jesus being a little bit funny, right? For maybe a whole lot funny. But the person has got the plank in the eye, And it's going up to somebody else saying, hey, this is really embarrassing for you. Come here, you got this speck in your eye and I'll help you with it, all right? Come here, I'm gonna fix you, right? Come here for, for just a second, let me correct you. Isn't it true that we know what most people should do? Like we could probably fix their life pretty quickly. Most of us feel that way. (laughs) <laughs> Whether or not that's true, we feel like, yeah, I, I mean, this is pretty clear. I could probably fix this pretty quick, right? And Jesus', Jesus uh, warning here is like, oh, well, hold up there, chief. Pump the brakes, sweetheart. Like, hold on. You got some things out of order, right? Jesus isn't necessarily saying everything you're thinking is wrong. He's just saying, listen, you, you don't see as clearly as you think you do. You're you're not as prepared to confront as you think you are. You've got some stuff a little bit out of order. And you've got to be willing to pause for just a second. And here's what he goes on to say. Let me take the speck out of your eye. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. Imagine that. Like, yeah, pardon me, the board keeps getting in the way. I know. But come here, you got this little piece of sawdust. I want to help you with it. It's very obvious both to me and to you, or sometimes it isn't obvious to us, but it's obvious to the other person. It gets in the way. This is kind of an interesting little Greek term or Greek phrase here all the time. It's kind of like one word that means, you know, like um, suddenly or all at once, or there it is, or aha, or maybe here in Texas, well looky there, there's a plank in my eye, when all the time, or when, looky there, there's a plank in my eye. Wow, check that out. In other words, Jesus is saying, the first thing you need to do is own your own plank. You need to own your stuff. You need to take a Really hard, important, honest look in the mirror at yourself before you move forward in what you think you need to do next. Really, really important. And then in verse five, Jesus gets really brutally honest. Man, this is this is uh, Jesus really laying it down. Matthew chapter four, verse five. Well, so again, let's say these highlight. Let's say the highlight word together. You. Okay, we could do better than that. One more time with a little more emotion. You hypocrite. All right. Some of you have always wanted to yell that at church, haven't you? (laughs) Your whole life. You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye. Before you move forward, before you do anything else, there's an important work that needs to happen in you. You need to own your own plank, Now, I want to give you a prayer that I think could be really helpful to you. And this prayer, this is for everybody, but especially those of you that maybe you think, well, I'm not sure if even prayer works. You've never really prayed before. Maybe this is kind of a new idea for you to pray. But I want to just encourage you to pray a prayer, something like this. When you've got this conflict, this rift, this fracture in the relationship, you're not sure how to move forward, just ask the Lord, Heavenly Father, show me what part I play in this. Show me my fault in this. And then just get quiet and let him start bringing things to mind. My experience is it don't take long, okay? (laughs) You'll start thinking of things. You'll start realizing, oh, Will's not as great of a dad of the year, husband of the year, pastor of the year, like I thought I was. Like, I'm not as perfect as I thought I was. You, you start asking God to show you where are those areas I still have yet to grow, that I still have lots of headroom to be able to grow, God is happy to show you. And this isn't to try to decimate your self-esteem, but it's to try to help you to get an honest perspective of yourself before you go confront someone else. It's so incredibly important for us to pause and get honest about where we are before we move forward and begin to confront someone else. Because when you're humble, you're in that state of humility, of present of mind, right in the, in the front, forefront of your mind, you're remembering all of your faults, where you fell short, and you're gonna begin to lead the conversation with that humble posture. Oh my gosh, it is radical how it can change the outcome of that conversation in such a huge way. And Jesus here next, in this next part of the verse, he is going to promise, he's going to make a promise to us that if you're willing to humble yourself, admit the plank in your own eye, there is a discernment, there is a clarity, there is a self-awareness that most people lack, it just, they just don't have it, that you're going to gain through the process of you humbly admitting and acknowledging to God, yes, here's where I blew it, here's where I could have done better, here's where I shouldn't have said that, I should have said this, I could have shown love, I could have done better, here's what he says. He says, get that plank out of your own eye and then you will see, let's say it together, you will see clearly, right? Finally, you will be able to see things you could not see before. And I promise you, I promise you, the way you will approach that other person will be radically different a lot less judgy. It will be a lot more from a place of compassion and humility. That you're doing it because you really love the person, not because you want to be right and you want to put them in their place and you want to teach them something by kind of like, mm, yeah, how's that feel? Yeah. No, that's not going to work. It's being willing to pray that prayer. Heavenly Father, please show me where I'm at fault. Show me. Now I want you to notice that this is not the end of the sentence here. This is an ellipsis. There's no period yet, because this clarity that God is bringing it is a means to an end. It is God is doing something in you so that he can do something in you, in other words. And that that end, that means to an end, that end is always, always with God, relationships. It's our relationship with God, it's our relationship with other people. Look at the first two commandments, Jesus gave. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. God's like, you can't do this Christian life without relationships, it is a part, it's the vehicle by which I use the sandpaper to mold you and shape you, and to make you into the image of Jesus. It's the challenging and difficult and hard to love people and the really, really difficult people that you do not want to be in the same room with, that God's saying, I'm working probably more through those than you realize. I'm going to help you to become somebody that you never could be on your own, but you have to first own your own plank before that's going to begin to happen. It's moving towards the Lord and the other person. So here's the end of the verse. Then you will see clearly. You'll see clearly what? To remove the speck from your brother's eye or your sister's eye. Now you're, you're moving out from the right place. You're moving out from a place of humility. And it's a willingness to say, yes, I'm going to own it. This is Jesus teaching extreme ownership about the hardest thing for us to own, our faults, our shortcomings, our sins, our hurts that we have committed against other people. If you would just come clean. This is so counterintuitive because we think, well, if I confess this to this person, man, they're gonna think so little of me and they're just never gonna let me live it down. But the fact is, many times, just the opposite is true. When you get honest and you get open and you get humble, people respect you more, they love you more. You're just, And many times, you're saying to them what they already know about you, but they're not sure you know about you but to hear it come out of your mouth, it's like, finally, thank you, there is a God in heaven. You see it. Yes, this relationship can be salvaged. It's incredible. But if we come to that place, and if if I talk about it personally here, if I see something in me that has come between us and I'm not willing to admit it, acknowledge it, and deal with it, and, and, and to kind of put it in like the bigger terms, if we, all of us, are unwilling to do what we are convinced the other person should do, and we're not willing to do that, what does that make us? Jesus was right. We're hypocrites, right? We absolutely are. If we're not willing to, to humble ourselves and take that step, that we say, if only they would do it, then we would fix this thing. And Jesus is saying, I'm asking you to do it. I'm asking you to do the very thing I did for you, that I stepped towards you through my son Jesus Christ, so that reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, as Paul called it, could be a reality. I came to you, not to get back at you, but to get back to you. Now, I want you to do that for other people. What does that mean for you? That may mean you need to write a letter, handwritten, go old school. Maybe it means you write an email to somebody and you get honest about your plank. That's the first thing you talk about. You don't start with their sin, you start with yours. Maybe you make a phone call, FaceTime. You go have a coffee with them. You sit down with them. Now I realize sometimes that's not always safe. Sometimes the person that you've got an out with, they're abusive, they're they're just mean and they're not healthy and it's just every time it is just vindictive and ugly and you gotta be careful and you have to have healthy boundaries. But many times that's not the case. It's just that we need to take that next step. We need to humble ourselves and step towards them and when we do that, it is crazy how God will work on that other person's heart to have them take a step towards you but they're waiting on you just like you're waiting on them and nothing ever happens. Nothing ever gets done. Now, last week we talked about that first decision that we have to make to move towards reassembly. And the first decision we had to make is that I will get back to you, not get back at you, right? To get back to, not to get back at. And as long as we're arms crossed, waiting on, I'm just gonna sit here until they finally come and find me, that's still getting back at, not getting back to. And this week we talked about, I will own my plank. Jesus is teaching on extreme ownership of your own stuff. Being willing to admit, own up to, humble yourself, lay it out, be honest. Be genuine and authentic and real with them. And if you do, it is crazy. I have seen this miracle actually happen. There is something about when you humble yourself and take a step towards them and admit your sin, it, not always, but it unlocks something in their heart to say, I think this is a safe place for me to talk about mine too. God, through the Holy Spirit, will teach you how to help them to do the same thing. But until somebody's willing to do this, Nobody does it. (coughs) And God has taught me the hard way (coughs) until I'm willing to admit where I have fallen short with him. When I, (coughs) pardon me, the more aware I am of (coughs) what God has yet to do in me, it makes me less consumed by what God has yet to do in those around me. It's simply saying, if I'll focus on what God is still working on in me, then I'm not so worried about what God hasn't done in you yet. It's learning how to start here. This is what Jesus Jesus is teaching, this is so critical. But so few people are willing to do this today. If you have a beverage, let's enjoy that together, all right? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I want you to dream with me for just a moment. Imagine for just a moment, people actually took what Jesus taught here in Matthew 7, three through five, seriously, and really started actually applying this. How would that change your family? Let's just start with your family. How would it change the Brazos Valley? How would it change the state of Texas, our nation? How would it change the world? I know this, this sounds like a pipe dream, but imagine for just a moment, if people stopped pointing the finger at the person on the other end of the issue, or on the other end of the situation, and they began by going to the mirror and getting brutally honest with that person that's looking back at them. Because honestly, folks, that's the only person you can change. It starts with you, it starts with me. This is Jesus' point. We're so concerned about everybody else that's on the other side of an issue or the other side of a fight or the other side of a, you know, like if we could just fix them, we could just correct them, get rid of them, eliminate them. We'd all be better off. He's like, I know you think that, but you've got a plank you're unwilling to acknowledge that is in your eye because Jesus says, I have come for the whole world. Everybody, I love them all. That doesn't mean all of them will come but he wants us to be his ambassadors in a world where people are desperately looking for that kind of love and someone who is willing to have the kind of courage that Jesus had that will step out and begin reconciliation and to begin reassembly in relationships that have been at a stalemate for years, decades maybe. Places where nothing's happened. I believe God's saying it's now is the time. And you are the people, I am the person. We are are the people that can begin to change this for our kids and for future generations to say, we're gonna start doing this differently. We're gonna stop attacking and accusing and being awful to each other and start learning how to, and notice, Jesus didn't say don't ever speak to them, just check your heart first, check your, your plank first, and then address your brother and sister's speck, Right? He didn't say don't ever talk about it. It's just begin with humility. Come with a humble heart. So powerful. So I want to give you a couple of discussion questions that I think could help the the discussion to continue. So for discussion, here's the first question. And we would be happy to text these out to you if you want to text to us, BFseries at 97000. If you're already on our text list, you'll get these this afternoon. What's the most difficult relationship you've ever had to repair? And what did you learn from that experience? What was the thing that you learned? What did God show you? And here's the second question. This is is a memorization question. Would you be willing to commit to memorize Romans 12, 18? Would you commit that to memory? Which simply says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone a very simple verse very short but it encapsulates this entire series and if we would all commit to do that and and the apostle paul by the way he's freely admitting sometimes it's not possible they just don't want they're dug their heels in it's not going to happen i get it but many times it is possible as far as it depends on not them but me you and i would be willing to live at peace with everyone to work towards it This doesn't mean we run from the truth or we run from confrontation or run from talking about hard things. It just means we come with a heart of humility and we admit our own faults and shortcomings and our plank first and then move towards. So powerful when we do this right. Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me that we would commit not just to take this information with us, but we would take this application with us. We would begin to apply this and live this out and begin to really do what Jesus is challenging us here. Here's the application prayer. It's simply saying, Jesus, help me not to be a hypocrite. Nobody wants to be that anyway. So I think that's a good thing to ask Jesus to, ask you, to help you with. Help me not to be a hypocrite. And by the way, hypocrite, this idea of, in the New Testament, this Greek word was hypokrates, which meant someone under a mask, someone who's pretending to be someone they're not. And the way Jesus was using it, he said, you're under this pretense of self-righteousness. You're, you're, you put on this mask that makes you look way better than you actually are, and he's like, take that, that plank out of your eye. Stop acting like that. You think you're better than other people? Really? Go take a good look in the mirror. <laughs> Let's get honest. Stop acting like that. Learn how to humble yourself. Learn how to love people. And then come from that place and you'll have a lot more listeners. You'll have a lot more people willing to hear what you have to say about your God and about your faith. But to acknowledge and to remove the plank in my own eye before addressing someone else's about the speck and theirs. And I just want to encourage you. Would you commit to do that with me? That we'd be willing to say that's where we'll start before we start these relationship conversations. And that you would just invite God in the middle of your life, personally, and in the middle of your relationships. It's such an important next step. And I wanna lead us in a prayer in just a moment. And in that prayer, I wanna ask you, to, if you would do that, you could begin a relationship with God right here, right now, and this morning's at the end of the service. But all, before we do that, I wanna ask you if you would be willing to commit this together, right now. Let's bow before the Lord right now and ask Him to work on our hearts and help us to be obedient to His challenge to us today. Jesus, we come before you right now. Help us, God, not to procrastinate this any longer, not to linger over this decision any longer, but right here, right now. Would you just be honest before God? that there's a plank that needs to be removed there's an acknowledgement of the part and the fault that you play would you just right now before God just be willing to be honest with him and just say God yes please forgive me I'm not totally at fault here but I am definitely partly at fault there's things that came out of my mouth that shouldn't have whether it was to the person or gossiping about the person behind their back or it was just thoughts that you marinated over that you knew weren't godly, would you just be willing to get honest to God right now? Clean your heart before him. God, here, I want to confess, would you just silently, right where you sit, would you just say, God, I'm asking for you to forgive my plank. Extreme ownership of your faults, your sins your shortcomings, would you just be honest with him? All across this room right now, if you're asking God to help you with a plank, would you just lift up your hand right now? I'd love to pray for you. Let's be honest, let's be honest. Thank you for your hands. In the balcony, in the floor, all across the room, God bless you from wall to wall, thank you. Lord God, I pray for every person that's crying out to you right now and saying, Lord, I need your help, forgive me, Lord. I acknowledge it, I admit it, I repent of it, I turn away from it. Please, Jesus, help us to do better. May we follow your Holy Spirit to be empowered to live a life that reflects you. We love you. Help us, God, to begin to start with humility. Admit our planks before we go Address a brother or sister with the speck in their eye. Help us to have the courage in marriages. People who are watching this online, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's someone in your family that you haven't spoken to or it's been tense or awkward or hard for years. Maybe you're here in this room and you, yeah, you totally relate to that. You get it, that's where you've been. And it's time for you to take the step. Reassembly is up to us regardless of who initiated the fuss. Help us, God, to have the courage, the boldness to step up and admit our part of this, to confess and ask for the forgiveness before we ask for anything else from them. Would you just commit that to God right now? You may lower your hands And God, right now, I just pray for every person that's watching this. If you're watching online, you're here in this room right now and God is speaking to your heart and it is time for you to invite God into your life. It's time for you to begin a relationship with him and like really live it, really follow him. No looking back, no turning back. This is the day, now is the time to commit to him and follow him. He has created you for a relationship with himself that he might shine his light through your life. Would you say yes to him right now? Would you just say, yes, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sin right now. I trust that when you died on the cross and resurrected from the dead, that was to forgive sin and to eliminate this huge obstacle between you and I so that we might be reconciled. I say yes to your forgiveness right now. would you tell him that? Yes, I receive your forgiveness from my sin, and I ask that you be the Lord of my life, starting right here, right now. If you just ask Christ into your heart to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life, would you just lift your hand or indicate that online that you've accepted Christ, giving your life to God? Anybody here, God bless you, I'll see that hand, anybody else? holding up your hand, just that you've given your heart to Jesus right up here in the balcony. God bless you, bud, right there. Thank you for opening up your heart to Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for hearing his call on your life. Thank you, Jesus, for transforming us. Thank you for giving us a roadmap for how to proceed forward when we have these difficult breaks and fault lines in our relationships. We love you. We praise you. We follow you. And we pray it all in the incredible name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back next weekend. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services.